1: And I'm your host Ronald Schmelzer, and thank you for joining us here on the AI Today podcast. As we have a fantastic guest who will be sharing with us some fan, some really good insights that we have been talking about for a while here on the podcast. Some of what's happening in the government, the global competition for AI, and a competitiveness, and what's needed for various governments, including the United States government, to maintain competitiveness in this really fast paced world that is artificial intelligence. Uh, if you're joining us at the AI Today podcast for the first time, the AI Today podcast is now in its Fifth season over four years and 220 plus episodes, we have been focusing on what it takes to make AI a practical reality today. That's why it's called AI Today. So we've had many interviews with folks from large enterprises from Glaxo Smith and Walmart and Home Depot and organizations like that to government agencies across the world and, and here in the United States, the Department of Energy and the GSA and Health and Human Services, as well as overseas, the UK House of Lords and what's happening in Australia and Norway and around the world, Hungary and and, uh, all those locations, as well as even some state and local governments as well. And our focus is on what does it take to make some of the promise of what we want for these intelligent machines to do all these fantastic things? What will it take for us to be able to put them into practice? And of course the challenges and the reality of making that work, of which there are many. So if you are interested, please do tune in and take a look at our quite a uh, few of our episodes. Please make sure you're subscribed. And we have some really interesting education and some insights that we will share with you uh, near the end of this episode, so please do stay tuned. So on that note, we are excited to have with us today, Ming-Yang Clyburn, who is one of the 15 commissioners for the National Security Commission on AI, the NSCAI, and principal at MLC Strategies, a consulting and strategy firm. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today, Mignon.
2: It is my pleasure to join you.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and how you got involved with NSCAI.
2: Again, thank you for having me. Well, I was raised in South Carolina, you could probably tell by the accent, um, by family and friends who believe that that our price uh, for admission on this planet was to use and leverage our talents, not only to enrich ourselves and those we love, but to assist others who have fewer advantages. So I spent 19 years as a public servant, both at the state and the federal level, learning and growing um, as a utility regulator uh, to ensure that the consumer interest and welfare, that they came first. It is very easy uh, for us to focus on the big businesses um, and those enterprises. But at the end of the day, those who pay the bills day-to-day, those who rely on these technologies and um, uh, these essential services, they're the people, and some of them are struggling uh, to uh, pay their monthly bills. So uh, them coming first, that was very organic uh, with my um, you know, education, learning, and upbringing. So my last eight and a half years uh, probably brought me here as an FCC commissioner. It afforded me a front row seat when it comes to the power of what the world calls ICT, or information communications technology, how enabling we all know ICT is, but for those, mostly for those who are informed and have access to these resources and technologies, but it is incredibly vulnerable uh, in terms of technologies like AI uh, when you are on the wrong side of the digital or opportunity divide. So. Enabling opportunities, providing more of a level playing field from a utility regulatory standpoint, uh, particularly where there are infrastructure and affordability gaps. That's where I spent a lot of my regulatory time and Representative Frank Frank Malone of New Jersey noticed that and recommended me uh, for a commission slot.
1: Well, that's really very interesting. Um, maybe by way of background, because I don't know if many of our listeners might know about the NSCAI. So this sort of goes into the next question a little bit, but maybe to explain a little bit about that. So, uh, part of what got our attention and many folks' attention was that uh, the NSCAI uh, produced a report recently that provided a strategy for the United States to to really increase its AI readiness and, and, and basically be in this position of competitiveness in the grand world of, of AI uh, by 2025, which is basically around the corner. So you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about what the NACI's objectives are. Maybe you'll talk a little bit about the background there and maybe some of these important conclusions and recommendations that came out of this report.
2: Well, it's interesting that you um, asked that because it didn't just happen, right? <laughs> it, 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 and in a lot of ways, it was not organic. That is why it was uh, shored up. And so Congress recognized uh, that when it came to our national defense and national security, uh, that it needed more of a blueprint of recommendations to help it defend itself against AI threats and to promote um, AI uh, innovation. And so this commission was formed over two and a half years ago, um, because what we realized and, and what Congress realized is that artificial intelligence will have a significant impact on the American economy, and it has an, an incredibly international uh, significance when it comes to our national securities. Just think about it. These systems that are being developed and evolved all over the world, uh, it, uh, it is informing the way we protect ourselves And it is uh, definitely at the forefront of where others around the world, especially um, those who may not have um, world peace um, as as their refrain or their focus, uh, they're using and leveraging these technologies to fight smarter, uh, faster, and being more efficient. So the U.S., um, which has incredible advantages, uh, you know, recognize that that lead was slipping. Um, And not only was that lead slipping, that when you talk about AI in and of itself, it is not singularly, um, you know, national security, which was our focus. When it comes, um, when you look at the American economy, especially over the next decade, you don't have to be a a fine-tuned, educated, prognosticator to recognize that areas like healthcare, transportation, of course, national security, and other sectors, that it's going to be governed, in essence, um, you know, colored, informed, and enabled, and enhanced, or maybe challenged uh, by AI. You saw the report. Um, one projection by you know McKinsey suggested that the total economic activity related to AI will add add more than $13 trillion to the global economy by 2030. And AI will radically change um, how businesses operated, operate. Some estimates, that same report estimated that about 70% of American companies will incorporate some element of AI into their practices. So what does that mean? What does that mean when it comes to the, the commission and its important. importance? Um, one, that AI is a very powerful tool for national security purposes. Two, that China has moved out and is organized and is well-resourced. And three, that we are not. So Congress created this commission with a goal to provide the White House and the Hill with recommendations on how to accelerate the adoption of AI for national security purposes. Again, I'm one of 15 commissioners made up, um, the commission was made up of technologists, academic leaders, uh, notable national security leaders. And, and we delivered 16 chapters. Um, if you've got a, a day or so, you can do it. Um, you know, Ron and Kathy, you can do it in a few hours, uh, but over 700 pages um, you know, uh, that were filled uh, with how we responsibly um, use AI and responsibly is key for national security defense, defending our nation against AI threats and promoting innovation.
1: Well that that's fantastic. And and for our listeners, really, even if you're, you know, in an industry that may or may not be be related to what the NACI was doing or maybe another government entity, it's really worth reading. I mean, I we actually did spend some some good amount of time digging through it and we were we were there, there was a a little bit of a release uh, event uh and uh some of the commissioners spoke and yes questions and it was really great and we had, we saw a lot of good questions and for for our listeners that may not be familiar with it ai is just becoming pervasive you know whether or not you might think of we talk about the seven patterns of ai for our listeners you know it's like recognition systems or conversational systems patterns in anomaly detection predictive analytics autonomous systems hyper-personalization and goal-driven systems. And we're starting to see AI being used in all these ways, you know, whether it's chatbots or it's like medical imaging systems that have AI capability or it's facial. A <laughs> like, yeah. Conversational <laughs> systems you're spending know, all the time with. And, and some of them may seem like kind of um, you know more casual applications, but People are starting to use AI to from very um, mission critical applications. You know whether it's you know making decisions, algorithmic decision making. Nobody wants to be denied a loan, for example, by an AI system where the algorithm may not necessarily be particularly transparent. Um, You don't necessarily want to be on the other end of a of of a conversational system or an autonomous system (laughs) that may not necessarily be working in your behalf. But on the other hand, there's so many economic. uh, uh, power that we can, we can get from systems that can help us, you know, navigate our our lives better. And there's a lot of economic opportunity here. So it's balancing those two. Right. And that's part of what the report gets, gets to it. And and I know there is a lot of, a lot of concern there. And I think Kathleen, we'll talk about, we're going to link to the report in our, in our show notes so that our, our, our absolutely.
0: So in case anybody would like to, to look at the report more fully, we will absolutely link to that in our show notes. We'll also link to additional podcasts we've had around this topic, including our podcast with Craig Smith, who's the Ion AI host. Uh, we had a really good conversation with him. So I encourage you to listen to, to all of these podcasts that we're having around this subject if you're interested in that. And absolutely, uh, like I said, I will link to the final report so that you can see everything that's going on, as well as a link to the website as well, so you can see who the other commissioners are. So within this report, you know, there were four pillars that specifically were addressed, and these were for immediate action. These four pillars included leadership, talent, hardware, and innovation. You know, and when you look at each of these individually, you're like, wow, this is, you know, a podcast in and of itself almost. So I know, you know, just maybe at a high level, can you share with us from, you know, what you you all had found, is there one area that the U.S. really needs to focus on now, or are all of these pillars equally important? And how does the U.S. go about tackling all of these pillars?
2: So I will say that while I may speak more about the talent side of the equation, um, that the pillars are equally important. Um, they cannot be and should not be decoupled because when it when you look at what the commission's mission, um, you know, was and I say was because, um, you know, in a, in a matter of days, um, the commission will be no more. But the report is the, the foundation and blueprint going forward. What is the most telling to me is government is not organized or resourced to win the technology competition, uh, you know, race um, and yes, I say race, um, you know, against a committed competitor. Uh, and we're not best prepared to defend against these uh, AI enabled uh, uh, threats. So we did talk about leadership, as you mentioned. Uh, we we recommended uh, sending setting up a technology competitive council at the White House and organizing uh, the Department of Defense and the intelligence community, to defend American and win that technology competition. And yes, we do have a huge talent deficit. So we need to build new talent and expand existing programs in government. And if we want the world, uh, if we want the world's best to come stay and cultivate their talents in the US, we have to be proactive. We have to, you know, it has to be organic. Um, And it has to be intentional uh, by way of our focus and can't escape the hardware question. Uh, We are 110 miles from losing access to the vast majority of cutting edge microelectronics, which power our companies and our militaries. And and when, when we talk about 110 miles, that's 110 miles uh, of water that separates us from our principal strategic competitive. So we need to uh, revitalize the domestic semiconductor manufacturing uh, enterprise and ensure that we are two generations ahead of China. And fourth, I cannot as a former FCC commissioner walk away from this conversation and not focus on innovation. Uh, we need to sustain and increase investment in AI research to set conditions for accessible domestic AI innovation and drive these breakthroughs to win that competition, but the one refrain that, or the one word I want to focus on here is: we have to do so responsibly. We cannot um, take the lead. We cannot, um, you know, look ourselves, in, you know, in the mirror. And ensure that we're moving in the right direction if we don't do so responsibly. That means teams that are reflective of what's best, uh the best uh principles uh in our American experience. And that means teams that are educated properly um, and robustly enough uh to be able to ensure and enable these responsive, uh you know, responsible uh systems. So we need partnerships. Uh, with our allies across the globe, um, in order to maintain this value, uh, you know this um, I- advantage, we are not an island. It's going to take you know all of us moving in the uh, in in the same critical direction, uh, building uh, these um, you know coalitions and like you know with like-minded uh, nations in order to advance the development and use of AI and emerging technologies in accordance with democratic values. And again, uh, this responsible and I, and I'm, I'm going to overuse it, but it cannot be overemphasized enough. Responsible development and use of uh, you know of those values. Um, again, we need to make sure uh, that these technologies comport uh, with and further, uh, uh, you know, de- further um, enhance and demonstrate uh, those values. Because if, if these systems don't work as designed. If we do not, um, if we say it's going to do one thing, and it and something unpredictable happens, uh, then the adoption of these technologies will suffer, and the support for it will suffer. So, uh, you know, again, we recognize that this is a public-private partnership. It's going to take all of us uh, to ensure that we have intelligent um, systems uh, that the, the law enforcement um, use. Um, you know, preserves privacy, civil liberties, and civil rights. Um, so we make certain recommendations that would strengthen uh, oversight and governance mechanisms, that will increase public transparency about AI use through uh, improved reporting, that we develop and test systems uh, per goals of our privacy and uh, preservation and, and fairness of values, and that we strengthen the strengthen the ability of those who may be aggrieved by AI to seek redress and have a due process. So uh, uh, again, a a lot of the focus may be on these autonomous uh, weapons that that the report naturally um, highlights, um, but you cannot decouple it from any of the ethical and legal questions regarding uh, these systems. Uh, They have to be interwoven uh, into the fabric Uh, when it comes to uh, these autonomous weapons systems uh, in a safe, legal and ethical manner, um, uh, we can't afford uh, to make mistakes. And if we have the teams built and the principles uh, interwoven into uh, the development and um, the use, uh, then we all would have a a, a better chance of of being um, enablers of opportunities and defenders of our national security interest.
1: Yeah, it's really very interesting. So, so many aspects there. As, as Kathleen mentioned, we can easily spend hours on this, and and we'll be we have over multiple podcasts. And so maybe we'll have you back, and we'll continue to have this conversation. Um, but I, I think you know one of the, those pillars, uh, the the talent. And the skills is really very critical. I mean, it reminds me of uh well, not that I'm I'm this old uh, but back in the nineteen fifties and, and and early sixties, we had the space race, right? With the Soviet right. Union and that actually, um many many listeners may or may not know that actually motivated a lot of changes in our in our education system. You know, really highlighted the need for science and math and really started growing STEM. We realized how critically important it was because if we were going to try to maintain, you know, competitiveness and this new world of the of the space race uh you know our kids needed to have the foundation of education and even though i know we're talking about uh skills at the adult level you know here government workers and contractors and that sort of stuff we talk a lot about data literacy even at the elementary school level you know people are starting to learn i have kids at elementary school age they are learning right now about personal safety online, social media. It's kind of a little crazy, honestly, that, that people are learning to keep things private. You know, this is stuff we never would have learned uh, in my school days. But but you know, bringing it back to this topic here of education, it is very important. I think you know, both for for government workers themselves to be to be well versed in in understanding the fundamental concepts of AI and machine learning and, and uh, data science and and data analytics and all that sort of stuff as well as sort of the proper practices. Um, you know, this is something as, as our podcast listeners have heard us talk about time and time again, there are right ways to, to apply uh, advanced technologies like AI and machine learning. We're advocates of a methodology called CPM AI, which is a methodology for, for running data practices, data processes, based itself on a 20 plus year old methodology that's been around for for many, many years. And it just basically gives guidance to those who are trying to run complex data projects where you have to deal with where's this data coming from? Is this in the right quality? How do I manipulate it? And then how do I treat data like it's its own asset, right? The systems are one thing, the data has its own life. And it can go from system to system, and, and we have to be concerned about privacy and, and governance and quality and all this sort of stuff. So, I encourage our listeners, if you are interested, and maybe some of our government listeners, there are best practices that are out there. Many of the contractors are starting to use it called CPMAI. And if you go to com, you can learn more about that. But, you know, sort of further to that point, and we have been talking a lot about the responsible use and, and that, that's one of the core pillars, even of our own education, because powerful technology can be used in, in good ways and not so good ways. We learned yeah. the lesson with cybersecurity. It took like 20 years for us to figure out that we got to pay attention to cybersecurity. You can't afford not to. And that's really about responsible. That's the irresponsible or handling the irresponsible. Yeah. Of, of technology, so um, can you share with us, you know, some of the aspects of responsible development and use of AI that the report focused on, and kind of where you think we are here in the in the US with responsible development, and you know maybe how it applies to to defense and national security and, and those aspects.
2: Well, Ron, you you, you put forth in. Um, in, in what you just shared, a, a number of, of things, and so I'll, I'll start with the, the last, and we can work our way um, back if we, have, if time will permit. So AI systems must be developed and fielded with justified confidence. Uh, if AI systems do not work as designed, as I mentioned, or unpredictable in ways that have significant negative consequences, then again, we won't adopt them. Operators won't use them. Congress will not fund them and the American people will not support them So that foundation um, you know is, is significant for us to, um, to, to lay So as departments and agencies uh, rely more heavily on these machines a central uh, guiding principle across national security scenarios is the continued centrality of human judgment. Those charged with utilizing AI need an informed, understanding of risk opportunities and trade-offs. They need awareness of the possibilities and limitations in a system's expected performance. But ultimately, they need to formulate an educated answer to this question. If given, in a given circumstance, how much confidence in the machine is enough confidence? And that's a powerful short. Uh, but very necessary question. So achieving acceptable AI performance is often linked to the decision to accept some level of risk. We we know that. No technology is perfect under all conditions, but that risk calculus changes with circumstances. Uh, The variables and considerations that inform judgments to rely on AI will very significantly, um, if we're talking about military, intelligence, homeland security, and law enforcement missions. So in a high threat um, environment, say like combat, uh, which we did spend a lot of time um, speaking about um, uh, in cases, uh, it may be reasonable to employ a system offering with some immediate military advantage while recognizing that it might fail. In other cases, however, A reasonable commander might want the highest assurances of AI reliability before fielding when lives are at risk. So when we're talking about the use, particularly with, um, you know, this particular commission, uh, we have to recognize um, that the AI systems, these systems do not build themselves, uh, that the human element and what, um, you know, those best principles that we uh, put forth uh, that are embedded in us are reflected in those systems. Uh, Again, these systems don't hatch. Um, They become a more efficient um, means or ways uh, for us to um, do uh, uh, these repetitive tasks, do some of these precision, um, uh, intense tasks to perform uh, some of these duties that uh, would put um, humans in too much risk. Uh, these systems are a reflection of us um, and their efficiencies, um, uh, you know, uh, must, uh, you know, be built on uh, what's the best in us.
0: These are really great insights. You know, I know that the report is incredibly comprehensive. As you said, it's hundreds of pages long. So to be able to just, you know, pull out and at a very high level, talk about some of these things. I know that, um, you know, we can go a lot deeper into some of these right. subjects. And I encourage the audience to actually, you know, read it, read summaries of it, dig a little bit deeper where you where you want to, because th- this is really important. You know, we spent a long time, the people on this commission spent a long time going through this, Analyzing things, researching things, digging into things, and then publishing this report and presenting their findings and doing things like this to continue to share it because it is so incredibly important. And those four pillars we really do need to tackle, you know. And as we said, I I think all four of them are incredibly important. And we need to make sure we are focusing on that leadership, talent hardware and innovation, Mm -hmm. all four of them simultaneously, in order to continue to stay leaders and get ahead of the competition. You know, you mentioned that this is a race. And I think that people need to be understanding, you know, really what's at stake here. And and if we don't focus on this and we don't make it a priority, what's going to happen? while at the same time. So, so focusing on that is good, but you know, you've uh, throughout this entire podcast, focus on the responsible development and use of artificial intelligence, be thoughtful with its creation as well. Um, that's been a theme with others on our podcasts as well. And I think it's, it's nice, you know, to continue to hear that because not everybody focuses on that and it's important. So make sure that you're building these systems in an ethical and responsible way, Mm -hmm. um, with that design, uh, in place. So this has been an incredible podcast. And we thank you so much. Our final question we ask all, everybody that we interview. And I love it because we always get such varied responses. Some people get more philosophical. Some people get more practical. Maybe you'll focus on, you know, responsible use. I, I'm not sure. I'm excited to hear where you're going
2: to go with this. But our last question. I'm scared is, about that. You got me fearful of the question, but I, I'm I'm ready.
0: <laughs> well the good thing is there's no wrong answer because it's your well, you it's go. your opinion as right. a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations, governments and beyond?
2: That's a, a very interesting question and maybe this will be a blend of uh the philosophical the aspirational um uh look, you know when I look at my commissioner, I had on the uh, uh, NSCAI. um, You know, I recognize how the AI landscape is evolving at a rapid rate, and it is not going to slow down anytime soon. Here's what we have to come to terms with that America is already lagging in multiple ways when it comes to AI. And if we don't take action, that gap will widen. The world um, is in a a competition for emerging technologies and our adversaries are stepping up their game. Uh, We must invest in equal access to education for all Americans. We must do more to address these inadequacies of our educational system and our lack of equitable access to quality education for all. In order to compete globally, we must hire and train teachers, increase the amount of exposure students have to STEM subjects, including after school and summer programs. And we must improve access to broadband for students so that they can attend class uh, when there's a pandemic and there is more seamless, um, you know, learning opportunities and that they would have access to high quality tea education materials. The integration of technology is going to become even more central, uh, and as more even even more central aspect to our, our way of life. So we must prepare ourselves to be able to use it, to use it responsibly, to use it ethically, uh, and that is the only way. It's not just about a military race. It is a race for us to become our better selves. If I can become a little, mignone, you know, philosophical um, here. Um, yes, m- the focus on this report uh, is national security. But the emphasis and the observations that I hope your listeners will take away from it, it is about the people. The people build the systems. The people integrate um, you know, uh, their uh, philosophies um, and uh, and their way of thinking and being within these systems. Whatever blind spots these systems have, they're a reflection of us. So that is why it's important to uh, level these playing fields when it comes to educational and, and other workforce opportunities. Uh, people should not come from one state, you know, one silicon anything. There should be multiple silicons uh, you know, being um, nurtured and and, 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 um, and developed you know across this country. And all of those talents need to be a part of an AI tomorrow. So you're called AI today. I'm thinking also, and I know when you say that today, you know, it's each day, uh, it's each podcast. You I know, mean, we need to think about um, an AI tomorrow, because what an AI tomorrow is, is a reflection of what we are going forward. So um, I say, invest in people, um, recognize that talent comes in all forms, shapes and places. And that if we really, really focus on what's important and what's important is our people, then these systems uh, that organically, or maybe not, that emerge uh, will be a reflection of our better selves. That for me um, is what our focus should be And that, for me, if we do it, um, that we will get it more right uh, uh, than the rest of the world. And I think um, that is important.
1: Wow. I have to say that's fantastic. One, of course, it hits on a lot of things we talk about here, but our listeners may or may not know that Kathleen and I have been very involved in the startup entrepreneurial ecosystem for For a long time, being based out of Baltimore, Maryland, and now we're sort of a little more outside of Baltimore, Maryland, more in the D.C. sphere. But, you know, also, look, we spent time in Philadelphia and spent time in uh, New York and uh, New Jersey and Newark and in all these communities. And there's so much raw capability talent everywhere. Everywhere in the United States, of course, all around the world too. Our listeners, everywhere in listening to the universe, we've 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 talked to folks who are working on some awesome AI stuff in Kenya, in Colombia, in Hungary, in Singapore. I mean, this mm-hmm. is there's no centrality to this technology. The technology is accessible, assuming one big thing, and you mentioned that that you have access to the technology. That's why it's amazing that we're still talking about access to broadband. Yeah. Because that's like, a, from our, my perspective as a technologist, it's a fundamental right. Just as much as electricity and water and health and all the sorts of, sorts of things, how can you participate? in this in this worldwide ecosystem if if we're if we're in the 20th century we are in the 21st century everybody you know so <laughs> it's just amazing it is not
2: an it is not an analog world no. um, you, you mentioned baltimore which is a city that uh, means a lot of um you know my family um uh, migrated to baltimore to um to realize a better life if you go to baltimore um there are a lot of places where i don't know if they achieve that better life And part of it is because of the infrastructure challenge, the the lack of evenness by way of investment. We really um, have to, um, uh, and I I, I don't want to get into political, but you you should know by the last name, it's not hard for me to do. Look, um, we need to worry less about how much something costs versus what something will produce. What will it yield? What will that investment... Uh, in that child's promise yield? What will an investment um, in uh, that um, household being connected, what would that yield? And if you want to do the dollars and cents by way of appropriations, what will save us? Mm -hmm. So we get the equation wrong. We just look at the price tag and we do not look that there are multiples of benefits economically and otherwise that would be gleaned from that investment. So when it comes to this conversation in terms of national security and when it comes to those who will build the system who are 300 plus, I, I don't know the last census count, um, you know, you mil, million people across this country. What do we need to do to invest and enable them? That should be the question, not the price tag, but what will result from that investment?
1: Well, I have a feeling we could definitely dive deeper on this subject, and maybe we will. And I just a big round of applause. Here's a fantastic interview, and we talk about ROI all the time, and that's what we should be thinking about here, the return on investment. And that's what makes all this stick, because to make the stick and to to provide the benefits that we talk about all the time in our podcast, they need to be realized by, by, everybody who's listening and potential listeners. So uh, as I mentioned, we could go on for hours and we, we probably would. So, you know, have <laughs> to be mindful of our listeners' time. We know that uh, maybe you guys aren't commuting like you used to in the past, but we do try to keep our podcasts to the commute length. So um, I really want to thank so much our our fantastic speaker, your Ms. Mignon Clyburn, again, one of the 15 commissioners for the NSCI and principal at MLC Strategies. Thank you so much for sharing with us your fantastic insights and giving our listeners something to to
2: dig deeper into. It has been my pleasure.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, I know that we talked about a lot of things, so we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. We talked a lot about education, and so if you're interested in the cognitive project management for AI, CPM AI methodology and certification. We'll link to that in the show notes. You can also go to courses.cognolytica.com to learn more and to sign up today. We'll also share the National Security Commission on AI website so that you can check out all of the 15 commissioners and uh, you know their various backgrounds. And we'll link to the final report as well in the show notes. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group.